0: get more sensitive because we're sensitizing that is the process so when we talk about sacred feminine we talk about softening we talk about finding safety in our nervous system we're actually softening and sensitizing our being and that's really that's the scary part for our ego yeah it's like oh i don't want to go there but boundaries sovereignty we also learn And from there, I mean, that's true safety. So from there, it's like we have our own back. Mm. And when that voice pops up of that inner critic, like, oh, why did you get so soft? Why did you get so sensitive? Yeah, we used to be harder and tougher and stronger and all that. You can just remember like from that higher self, the place where you now live most of your time that that was, it's like, yeah, that was the point. That was the intention.
1: Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. I am so excited for you to join me for this amazing conversation that I have coming up with my friend Ellen Gilbert. Um, You may have heard me mention Ellen in the past. Um, If you listened to Becca Piastrelli's episode that came out in May about a month ago, um, you may remember that we talked about someone that we had in common and that I had met Ellen through the moon circle that I was a part of. Uh, That's her. (laughs) Um, That's who I was talking about. Um, We have a really, really juicy, wonderful, beautiful chat that I'm really excited for you to get to listen to. Um, Ellen, um, we actually used to, she used to be my coach. Um, Like I said, I met her at the Moon Circle, um, and so it was really awesome to be able to like hear more about what she's doing right now. Um, And here, there's even more stuff that she's doing that we didn't even get to chat about. That's how much she has going on. Um, Ellen Gilbert is an embodied feminine guide writer meditation teacher and speaker guiding folks to shamelessly claim more rest pleasure and community through her custom blend of wellness coaching cycle awareness embodiment and mindfulness meditation she embarks with clients on a journey to heal internalized scarcity culture and nurture their natural abundance. Her deep passion is retreat facilitation and weaving mean- meaningful communities of powerful witnessing. Um, she has a couple of programs going on right now Become Your Own Soulmate, which we talk about, and Ebb and Flow. She has so much wisdom around the cycle, around. Embodiedness and somatic care. And she also has these amazing self care sessions. Um, she's based in Kentucky. So if you're based there too, you can do an in person session with her. Or if you're not, you can also do online sessions with her as well. Oh, in this episode, we jump right in. We talk about the ego and how to find that balance of dissolving the ego but like more, more integrating the ego. We talk a lot about integration and love and how to embody that feminine energy. And she describes a little bit more about the difference between being female and like feminine masculine energy. It's not about what gender or what sex you are. Um, We also talk about the internalized scarcity culture, which would be internalized colonialism, patriarchy, capitalism, um, and how that shows up in our personal lives, in our bodies, and in our communities. Um, she is a beautiful community uh, like builder and facilitator. Like I said, I met her at a moon circle in a place that doesn't have another Moon circle. (laughs) Um, We just had such a great chat. We also talk about the inner critic and what it means to be sensitive. And just as a little precursor, being sensitive is actually a beautiful and wonderful thing. We talk about that. Um, Ellen says that cycle love is body love. Isn't that so beautiful? Um, So if you want more information, like some background information on the cycles, I've done a couple. Solo podcasts where I dive into that. Living a Slower Life dived into the cycles briefly. And then Kristen Ciccolini and I did a great episode on like the hormones and what's ebbing and flowing in your body hormonally during your cycle, if you have one. Um, and then I also talked to Sierra Vandervolt on in a podcast in May about cycles and especially the cycles of the moon. And so Ellen and I really dive into how to like work that into your schedule and your business and your life and not even your business. Like you can do this as an employee for someone else Um, and how to have rigidity and flexibility with your cycle. But what I love even more than that is Ellen talks about the archetypes of the cycle. Um, And those can also apply to archetypes of the moon as well. If you follow a lunar phase instead of a menstrual phase, they're so similar. Um, And then we talk about all sorts of other stuff. We also talk about um, like biphobia and bi erasure and what it's like to um, embody queerness and not being straight in a straight presenting relationship and like the challenges that has and the beauty that that has. So I felt very seen by that. And also so fitting it's Pride Month. So just a wonderful reminder that pride is for everyone um, and that your sexuality does not depend on who you're with. It depends on who you are and what's in your heart. It's not necessarily who you're having sex with. (laughs) Um, Sexuality is more than just your partner. It's who you are and and your desires and you're worthy. Uh, we talk so much about worthiness. Well, I am so excited to bring you this episode with Ellen Gilbert. I hope you enjoy. Um, if you like this podcast, please consider subscribing and also rating and reviewing the podcast on Spotify or Apple, or even just sharing with a friend. We would both really appreciate it. But without further ado, here is my episode with Ellen Gilbert. I'm joined here with Ellen Gilbert, who is my longtime friend and mentor. Ellen, it's so wonderful to have you here.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Sam. It's my pleasure.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. Um, And actually, pleasure, that's such a great word because we're going to dive into that a little bit too. Uh, But before (laughs) I do that, or before we do that, I'm going to pull a card from the Divine Feminine Oracle deck, which I actually um, came across from you. Um, It was a gift from my boyfriend, um, but I told him like what I wanted. Um, And I went scrolling through your Instagram to see if I could find the deck.
0: (laughs) Awesome. That's so beautiful. It's
1: my favorite. Um, so the card could be for you or for me. It could inform the conversation and it could also inform our perspectives in June, which is about two months from now. So I'm going to pick this one. I accidentally grabbed two. Ooh. Oh, I was actually looking at this this morning and thinking she looked like you. Um, it's Queen Aww. Esther, the morning star. My ego is in service of my soul, and I trust my soul's divine timing. Beautiful. Oh,
0: beautiful. That is Love so beautiful.
1: Her. Does that resonate at all with you? Trusting your divine Oh, timing?
0: yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. I mean, I think a lot, like, Ego work is amazing because a lot of people like to suppress their ego and they think that that makes them a a more moral person. Um, But our ego gets to be in service of our purpose. And when we can get playful with it, when we're not so identified and clingy and attached, we get to dress up in ego and in roles and archetypes and costumes. And, you know, it's, It's the vehicle in which we live our lives and create our our art and our magic. And we can have a really positive relationship to ego. So that's what that brought up for me.
1: Oh, I love that. You're actually the person who taught me that ego isn't necessarily bad. Like maybe we don't want to let the ego drive the bus all the time, Um, but we were given an ego for a reason and we're human beings and that's why we have one. Oh, beautiful. Um, Wow. I'd love to just jump in anywhere. I think I'll start with your divine feminine work since we pulled from a divine feminine deck. (laughs) Um, I think you call yourself a divine feminine guide. Is that right?
0: Yeah. And lately I've been saying embodied feminine guide, um, which really seems to resonate a bit more these days, but I give myself permission to change what I call myself every moment
1: yes I love that um what does embodied feminine mean to you mm,
0: yeah I mean I'll just riff on it I don't know for sure it's something something to explore in our body to me and to me it feels like bringing that sacred fem body with intention and noting where it already is naturally so Not so much from a gendered perspective because we all contain both, right? Like that's what Tantra teaches us. We all contain masculine and feminine energy. We can use words like receptive and penetrative, or, you know, so many different words to describe it. And I think of the sacred feminine energy that I work with as being so light and playful and expansive, but also really deep and grounded and she's like a big container and she can just kind of, she can be whatever she needs to be in that moment. So if it's to create something, if it's to birth something, if it's to move something, if it's to receive something, um, there's just so much wisdom that she brings to us. And I draw on the lineages of Tantra, of Kundalini, Um, so many different practices that really help inform that and make meaning of that for me but really it's a sensation in my body and it's always changing and shifting and it's there to support me and my art in the world
1: oh my goodness that's such a beautiful (laughs) answer I love that and I think we're so like tapped into our masculine side like no matter who we are because we're always doing or like I even heard this this morning as masculine is like overthinking too, because it's still like doing in your head Um, that like tapping into that feminine softness is really challenging for a lot of us, I think. Yeah. So yeah. What do you think about um, it being like kind of challenging to tap into our feminine side or, or resting side?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) it's cultural, Right? Because naturally, we have both energies. So what keeps us blocked is the society and the culture. Hopefully, we can shift. We are shifting. And I really see that culture as being very threatened. Of course, by rest, I mean, my goodness. Capitalism wants us to be separate. It wants us to be keep our head down, work really hard. Um, and then patriarchy brings in that worthiness piece of, you know, we're actually not worthy unless we're doing these things. So it gets really personal. So in order to tap into our sacred feminine in this really toxic culture that we live in requires being in our bodies, hence the embodied part, right? Like that is the ultimate challenge for a society that is so analytical, logical, that only um, venerates the thinking mind, which is where our ego lives. So Mm. there's a lot of harm when we only live there and when we forget about living in the body. And that's really where the feminine comes in. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's so challenging. It's challenging from so many different perspectives. Like I was raised evangelical and the kind of harm that comes in from that way of, of being educated and raised is that, you know the body is sinful and can't be trusted, and the heart is deceitful. (laughs) Yeah. So that's great. And then we have the capitalism of the patriarchy on top of that. We have the white supremacy, you know, that really creates hierarchy among humans. That is not sacred feminine at all. Sacred feminine is all about non-hierarchy, community, um, equality, you know. So all of these things I really have come to understand as in direct conflict with the culture that we live in. So we have to give ourselves a lot of grace as we do this work and keep that in mind that it's it's an inside job, it's a nervous system shift that then leads to a cultural shift and yeah. You know, that can be scary, but I think it's empowering in the long run because it means we actually we have the ability to make that shift. We don't have to shift the whole culture by ourselves, but we can be responsible for our nervous system. And that's really exciting.
1: That is really exciting. Um, And you said it's an inside job, which I love, but that also makes it scary to embark on at times because, well, I feel like in the beginning of my kind of journey into that, I was like reading so many self-help books and listening to so many podcasts. Um, And like, that was all really helpful, but at the same time, Like I had to be the one to feel into my body and feel my emotions. And that can be so overwhelming at times, especially if we have lived in the head for so long, it's like going into a really dusty, cluttered attic of the body and having to like comb through stuff can be kind of intimidating.
0: Oh my gosh, absolutely. And like, we don't have to do this alone just because it's an inside job. Does not mean we have to go there alone. So it's really important to work with a therapist, with a coach, with someone who's trauma informed, you know, to get the exact type of tailored support that we need and Mm -hmm. to really see it as a lifelong devotional practice. It's not something we're going to get right right away you know it's it's something we're going to ease ourselves into just like easing ourselves into a cold body of water you know it can be really frightening like you said but like coming back to that intention of why we're doing it um and to actually experience like genuine self-love and genuine nervous system regulation in our lifetime like that's enough for me to dip a toe and then eventually ease into it.
1: Mm,
0: um, I love we're worthy. That.
1: Yes, I'm love- worthy of feeling good. We are worthy. And actually I've never heard someone talk about worthiness before you. Um, so I was wondering if you could like, how did you come to, work with that word and work with that feeling of being worthy and why did you want to help other people feel worthy too?
0: Because I felt so unworthy. I felt so lacking. Um my background is hustling in the nonprofit sector and traveling for work and really burning out all and I have a history of having really toxic bosses and toxic work environments. And I mean, I worked in New York City and Washington, DC and I had what I thought was my dream career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the plan was to rise to the top and it didn't take long for me to realize that in order to make it, and a lot of people in corporate culture have a similar experience because it is capitalism, it's copy pasted onto the nonprofit field, but it's still capitalism, you know? And so the idea is like to make it, you know, you have to conform, you have to conform to someone else's ideal of how you should spend your time, how you should view yourself and the way to really push yourself to do more, 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 always more, is to really be like your own personal drill sergeant. And, you know, people are taught that in the industry and then they pass down to whoever their reports are. And so that voice of your toxic boss becomes Mm -hmm. the voice of your inner critic. And suddenly I noticed I was criticizing myself, not just at work, not just going over every single project I was turning in or email I was writing, you know, pouring over everything again and again until I submitted it or really kicking myself for mistakes I was making. I wasn't just doing it at work. I was doing it on the weekends. I was doing it in my daily life. I was like applying that same measuring stick to every aspect of my life. And I noticed it was her voice in my head, but it had become my voice. And I was seeing myself as never good enough, ever worthy enough you know, never on top of it enough, never critical thinking enough, (laughs) like just never, never, never enough. And luckily at the same time, I was seeking out so many resources, like you mentioned, right? Like the self-help books and the, the meditation. That's when I opened to meditation and I started going to Sangha every week with Tara Brock, which I was so blessed to be in her community for a while And I just couldn't get enough. I was like eating it up because what I was being taught was that at the core of all of us is pure goodness. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with our ego, with how good we are at thinking, with how perfect, you know, our projects are or how mistake free our lives are or how much we're able to wring out of every day, um, how much productivity I should say. You know, it has nothing to do with that's what's underneath all of that, which is my higher self, my truth Mm -hmm. that's eternal. And it just became really clear to me. I had a spiritual awakening and I saw that everyone around me was in a similar story. Mm -hmm. Their lives were this story of not enough, of unworthiness, of pushing themselves to always reach that next level, reach that next level, reach that next level. Yeah. And then I started to interview these like high powered women leaders. And like, what is it when you get to that top level after you've been believing you're unworthy this whole time? Well, they get there and they feel like they didn't earn it. They feel like Mm -hmm. imposters, you know, they are so stressed out. Their families are suffering. Their love lives are suffering. They don't have any space for hobbies or pleasure or any of those things because they've copy pasted that framework. For success and then they get everything they're supposed to want and it's empty yeah not everyone this isn't everyone's experience but mm-hmm. this was the road I was on this was the path that I was headed for and so it was just so clear to me that I had to trade a certain way of measuring my life myself my worthiness for something that is true and real. And suddenly like meditating my worthiness every day, it
1: became, you know, the only truth for me. Yeah. How you said meditating on your worthiness, what does that mean?
0: Oh yeah, girl.
1: So (laughs) Yeah. So
0: doing some insight meditations, like You can find guided ones. I think we lean on guided meditations a little much and we really have to push ourselves to be with the discomfort of silence.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And so inviting in your meditation, inviting your higher self to take that driver's seat, you know, to step forward in your mind's eye and your consciousness and get really familiar with like, who is she? What does she look like? What is this? story? she's telling me, you know, about myself, Mm. you know, um, just, and then just starting to invite in her energy. What does it feel like to be with her? Well, can I step into her skin? What does it feel like to be her? Wow. Or maybe for some people it's calling in like a white light. Mm. Um, There are so many different metaphors we can work with. So finding what works for you, um, and then doing the nervous system regulation practices Mm. can really support that because it helps us to find safety in living from that place of worthiness, Mm. which only feels good. I mean, honestly, once, once we get to that point where we're not at such a war between our inner critic and our higher self, um, yeah it's, it's easy to see which one we want to choose and which one we want to be in. And it
1: gets to feel good. So that's the good news. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is good news. Cause it does mm-hmm. feel so hard in the beginning and it sounds like it gets easier. Is that still something that you like struggle with? Like, does that kind of come and go, even as you gain that experience? Oh, absolutely.
0: I mean, I will say that When I try to remember how much suffering I was in back in those years, I can't even really touch it because it's so far in the past. Like I haven't really spent a lot of time in that headspace since then, which is so beautiful. Yeah. And that's why I do think awakenings are real. Like there are points on the timeline where we have these like watershed realizations and then things are just better. So I think that is very real in terms of like linear time. But I think overall, it is very spiralic. And at the same time, of course, we are titrating, we are oscillating, you know, we are forgetting and remembering, like Tara Brock says, spiritual practice is a process of forgetting and remembering. So the key is to remember when we forget (laughs) and to not judge the forgetting. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, every month. Especially right before a bleed, or you know, even sometimes during ovulation. Oh man, I will just feel something come over me and it's like, why aren't you doing enough? That sneaky little voice, you know. Yeah. You know, you could have wrung a little bit more productivity out of that day, or it's almost like you could have suffered a little bit more. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was actually reflecting recently my feeling was, or my belief was that I had like lost my edge and that I used to be able to like suffer burnout easier (laughs) and like push myself longer and harder and get less sleep and get more done. And that I had like lost my edge and become lazy. And I was like, oh wait, no, I just started respecting my limits more, which means like you might get less done than before, but that stuff didn't really need to get done in the first place. Like that was just me hustling to hustle. Not really like it wasn't necessary. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like sensitize more, celebrate that.
1: Mm, I love that. And I love the way that you're explaining being sensitive. Cause I know I bet most of the people listening have been called sensitive or have felt too sensitive and not really in a nice way, like not in a nice meaning way. Um, So I love that you're saying like getting more sensitive is part of what we're doing on purpose. Oh, you had touched on something about ovulation. And I just want to say you have so many like awesome free resources on your YouTube. So, if anyone's interested in knowing more about anything that Ellen's saying, her YouTube is popping (laughs) Um, and you have so many good videos. Uh, But what I was going to say was you did an inner summer video for your Align challenge um, not that long ago. Um, And you had said that sometimes during ovulation you get like kind of um, like irritated. And I had only ever thought that was normal for the like inner autumn phase. And that totally gave me so much self-compassion because I do get very irritable during my ovulation phase. So you just have so much good information about the phases on your YouTube.
0: Thank you, sweetie. Yeah, well, that's testosterone. A little testosterone bump is what actually releases the egg during ovulation. So. To witness that and maybe you can even note the moment it's happening. I mean, you can get that micro aware in your cycle. And yeah, I mean, we got to have compassion. My goodness. And especially if we have a cycle because that is a roller coaster. But luckily, we can start to notice the signs. We can start to, again, devote our awareness to what's happening inside. Um, It's such a beautiful journey.
1: It is such a beautiful journey. Um, I feel like my, you were there with me when I made the leap from birth control to not. um, And I feel like I have never, not that I'm promoting not being on birth control by any means, but like being aware of my cycles, I mean, was like the catalyst for so much healing and so much inner knowing and like connection with my body and my mind And you have so many good resources about that. But I'm curious, what was that like for you to like reconnect with your cycle?
0: Yeah. And I'm so proud of you. That's so beautiful. And I really I want to hear how it's going. Yeah, for me. And I mean, it's everything, you know, like it was so critical. That was like a womb awakening experience. Like I had my spiritual awakening. And then like a year later, I had, like this womb awakening experience where it was, I learned through the work of my mentor, Claire Baker, that, you know, we get to be four different people every month. And this is what the phases look like. And with just that little bit of permission, um, my curiosity just ran with it. And I knew she was onto something and I knew that it was going to like have such a huge impact on my life Mm -hmm. because, you know, I was already tapping into my higher self as we spoke about but the body wasn't really coming along for the ride so much. There was still a lot of body shame, a lot of, you know, internalized self-hatred, really from purity culture, being raised in purity culture and, you know, being queer, but never coming out. And just all of these things, (laughs) like it was really hard to be in my body at times as it is for all of us. Um, And I saw how, menstrual cycle shame and like period shame, but then also just the, the mystery of our cycle or the, the ways that people aren't even aware that they have a cycle. It's not just the period, you know, I just started to dig into that so much. And I was just fascinated. And I had to just start talking about it all the time because I was the only person had a cycle that like, wasn't on some sort of hormonal uh, blocker. And I really wanted to seek out people who were like me and to start to find that community. And I did, and it's been so beautiful, but it's still rare. It's, it's important to be the one to say I'm bleeding or what day of your cycle are you on? Like to normalize that. And what you find is that other people who bleed are like, Oh, tell me more. It's so permission giving for them. And I always say cycle love is body love. Like it's a great portal into healing from like the fat shaming and all of that, the queer shaming, the pussy shaming, like whatever you have there. Cause the blood is sort of that ultimate symbol of life and death and power and it's sort of what everyone is so afraid of so like let's bring it out of the shadows let's love it let's love ourselves and like let's just honor this amazing life-giving cycle that literally helps us create everything from human life to all of the creative projects we could ever desire um and just really notice like how beautiful it is to get to be all of these different versions of
1: ourself every single month. It's such a gift. Yes. Oh, I love that. I, I totally resonate with once you learn about it. And once it clicks, you want to tell everyone, you know, because so many people or people who menstruate don't know. And it's like, you just want to like free everyone from not knowing about their cycle. <laughs> I've experienced that with clients too. One of mine recently said, like, I just told everyone on the pill that they don't really have a period. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing people's minds. <laughs> I know. So crazy. So cool. Um, one thing that I love that you do is you really normalize well, you normalize every phase of the cycle, um, but you also really normalize the fact that we bleed blood. We don't bleed like the weird blue stuff in commercials. We're like not on a time of the month. We're bleeding blood. And I really love that. Um, what was that journey like to reclaim the fact that it's blood and it's okay to like, it's okay. It's not disgusting. It's not dirty. It's not shameful. Yeah, that. um. It happened pretty easily
0: after the spiritual awakening stuff. And then after that, like womb awakening, I was just instantly fascinated and like more interest, like curious, like follow your curiosity. Mm. Um, I was more interested in like color of it, the consistency of it, learning what different textures meant, different colors meant. It's amazing. It tells us what our body needs in that moment. And why would you want to ignore all of that amazing information? So that was actually pretty easy for me. What what hasn't been so easy is reclaiming like the rituals around my blood, like actually working with the blood, which I'm really pushing myself to do more and more. Mm -hmm. So I have a ritual of collecting my blood every month now and I pour it around my house in a circle. And I just, whatever comes to me in that moment, there's no right or wrong. you know, I sing to the plants or I sing to my ancestors or I just pray um, to all those who have blood before me and just pray that it will unite us and unite me to them and to all the future ones who will bleed. And I just reflect on the magic of my womb and, you know, all the potential that can come through it. And again, it's not, not, it's not me. It's not mine. It's something divine that I get to experience. And everything is relationship. I would rather have a sacred, loving, beautiful relationship to my blood than to have a relationship of shame, you know, and in that way, it's such a symbol for the body, for sexuality, for everything we will create. I mean, everything's just a,
1: a mirror. I don't know. I love that. And I love that ritual of walking around your home. That feels like such a beautiful like image of protection too. And like saying, this is your sacred space and the sacred space for your loved ones too. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. It's so
0: important Mm. to reanimate and, um, you know, rediscover
1: the Magic in our spaces, yeah, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. I've been watering my plants with my period blood, and they love it. <laughs> they'll like yeah. be on the brink of uh, wilting, and then they'll just pop right up. They get so excited.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's yeah. so beautiful.
1: It is. Amazing. And there's a
0: like a Hopi proverb that says, "When all the women give their blood back to the earth, there will be no more war." And I like to reflect on that, too, and just think about, you know, why? Like, what does that mean? You know, because if we're connecting our blood to the soil, like, what is that a symbol of?
1: As I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs, having an education in health coaching has been transformational. Through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today.
0: It's a symbol of us returning to the land. It's a symbol of us honoring the places where we are and and if we all did that imagine how our nervous systems would shift and how yeah peace and love really would um take over
1: oh i love that so much that is so beautiful um i do want to talk about the archetypes of this cycle um that's something that i really i mean i know other people teach about it too but i really only heard you talk about the inner maiden mother wild woman and crow i mean other people have talked about it but I hear it more about like the moon or life stages and you talk about it in terms of archetypes that we embody during the cycle. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's been such a game changer. Again, Claire Baker, um, I believe brought this to my attention in terms of the menstrual cycle phases, Um, but I could be wrong there. I know she talks a lot about you know, the inner spring, the inner summer, the inner autumn and the inner winter kind of muses. But no, I do believe in her course flow, um, she uses these archetypes. She might not say wild woman, she might say queen, which is often sort of um, another side of that coin. Um, Hmm. And then of course, many modern Wiccans use these archetypes to talk about the life stages, as well as so many cycles and process we work with. So yeah, the, the solar phases, the lunar phases and the menstrual phases, it just kind of makes sense. Um, because anywhere in a life cycle, there's going to be that young adolescence, there's going to be that peak, uh, fertility, there's going to be that wind down coming down the mountain. And then there's going to be that, you know, still point. Um, and so, Yeah, I love bringing that to the menstrual cycle. It just resonates. So, like, if this doesn't resonate with people, they shouldn't do it. You know, like, (laughs) but if it resonates, it's really beautiful because you can start to tap into the maiden medicine during your preovulatory phase, which Mm -hmm. is very playful and innocent, and you can do some inner child work. And I love working with my inner adolescent. Like when I first started bleeding, what does that version of myself still need to heal? There's so many shadows in there. And then during my ovulation, it's the mother medicine that comes in. And like, she just wants to take care of me and take care of everyone in her life. She's got so much energy. She's so fertile and she loves to nurture and give and then the wild woman comes in in the inner autumn and she is chaos and creativity and she is wild and she loves to just like fuck it up and like, <laughs> just bring so much magic and sometimes it's uncomfortable her lessons um but it's always for a reason And then we have the crone in the inner winter or the bleed times, which is that inner wise woman, the one that, you know, she's just, she's lived her life and she's just ready to like dole out her wisdom (laughs) when it feels good, but otherwise just like wrap herself up and sit by the fire and (laughs) just like receive visions from goddess. And so I've really taken their lessons to heart in mapping out my cycle, my self-care during my, the different phases, but I also talk to them frequently, no matter where I am in my cycle. Like this morning I meditated with all four of them and we were around a dinner table and like, they're like my counsel, you know, and they all have different perspectives and different lessons to impart.
1: Ooh, that is so beautiful. My dad actually I forgot about this until now. He like led me through a guided meditation where we went into my subconscious or something and I met with all these archetypes that are like the classic jungian archetypes. Mm. Um and we were around a table and so I love that you're kind of adapting that from those like like jungian archetypal stuff to like archetypes that really resonate with you in your cycle. I think that's so cool.
0: Yeah. It's union. It's also IFS, internal family systems. Like we all have parts or or working with parts is a really useful framework, I should say um, for me and for many, and it sounds like for you. So we can adapt away is beautiful because everything is empty. It's playful.
1: Ooh, I love that. Ooh, I love that so much. And I love IFS. I think you're actually the person we did a meditation together where I saw my inner mother, I think. And then I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and I like had to learn more about that.
0: <laughs> I remembered that. That was so beautiful.
1: I know. That was so cool. Oh, I love it. How do those archetypes show up as a person who owns a business? Like, how do you incorporate that into your life?
0: Yeah, good question. Yeah. Um... I was talking with them this morning about where I need to put my, my creative focus in my business and they got some different opinions. So it's really interesting. Mm. Um, you know, I think the point here is to not be too rigid and to hold it very lightly because, At the beginning of my business, I got so excited to incorporate them. I was like, I'm only going to create during my inner spring. And then I'm only going to, you know, be go live or do events during my inner summer, or I'm only going to write or reflect in my inner autumn or, you know, during my inner winter, I can't do any work. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I can't do any work and it was very intense um mm-hmm. and it didn't really flow for me i mean it was too rigid so you know hold it very lightly i would recommend but yeah like start to notice and if you have a journaling practice hopefully you are noting every day what day of your cycle you're on and maybe note what you feel called to work on like what is driving you like there's always what we have to do but I mean it's so important to think about what we want to do where our energy is leading us that day and then once you have enough data like three months of data I would say we go back and we look for patterns and again, it gets to feel good. So what we want to do during our inner spring, we should plan to do in our inner spring, what we want to do in our inner autumn, we should plan to do in our inner autumn. And the themes that do arise kind of across menstrual cycle aware people seem to look sort of the same. Um, But of course, it's going to be, it's going to be very individual. So yeah, I do. I try to plan lots of collab meetings during my inner spring. And like, I love networking. I'm always wanting to get coffee in the mornings with like different entrepreneurs or have like zoom chats, just very loose and think about, do I want to partner with this person? Is there a workshop I want to do with them? Or maybe I just want to pick their brain, you know, be in their presence. Um, I'll try to do that in my inner spring And I definitely do try to plan big events like retreats and speaking Mm -hmm. engagements and things like that for my ovulation, but it doesn't always work out because my cycle, you know, it fluctuates and it changes. And I mean, that's a lesson that she is teaching me right now for sure. Like again, holding it so, so lightly, but the biggest that I have learned as a business owner who is aware of my menstrual cycle is to block off my bleeding days. Um, at least being able to anticipate their approximate it's approximate arrival and to really take as much off my plate as possible during that time, which means I've had to get really comfortable in saying, no, Oh, and and you know potentially let people down and just taking that time to be in my period cave and to remember that that's when like the good goddess downloads come through so that's the creative fuel i'm going to need for the duration of the cycle and if i don't get that time at the beginning of my cycle um i suffer so much my business suffers my creativity suffers my energy suffers And so it's just not a good idea to hustle through those bleeding days if we can help it. And we usually can do something. We can usually let at least one thing go or set one more boundary or ask for a little more help during that time.
1: Right. Oh, I love that. I totally hear you on being really rigid at first. I think I'm like, now that it's measured out, because at first it was like, who knows what's going to happen. And now it's like a little bit more predictable and I got really attached to it. And so I like became so perfectionistic about planning around it and really wanting to control my cycle instead of my cycle kind of flowing me in the direction of where I should be going. Um, And so I've also had to learn like I can do things during my menstruation week or if my period's late, it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, mm. like I can't structure exactly how long my cycle's going to be or what, what it looks like. So like finding that's that so fluidity great. and boundaries was, was challenging.
0: Yes. That's so great because that's, that's the sacred feminine, sacred masculine, mm. masculine. sacred masculine is form and sacred feminine is flow. So we've got the form, we've got the guide and the kind of the survey is out and we've got the info from the people of what it tends to look like, or we've got the info from our own practice of what it might look like. But then the flow is like surrendering to whatever it might look like. And, you know, not always trying to find hormonal excuse for what we're feeling. That's something that I've noticed. I'm like, oh, I can only have compassion for my inner critic and my inner autumn. But if she arises at another (laughs) time, you know, (laughs) like, you know, I'm a bad person, but that's the inner critic, always trying to measure our worthiness and, you know, stay safe. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's such a it's such a beautiful portal in that sense that we truly do have to surrender to it. Like we truly, like if you're leaving hormonal birth control behind, you really do just have to kind of see what happens. Um, and like, for example, I'm on day 32 of my cycle and you would not know that, would you by my energy? No. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's happening this phase. Um, I expected to be on day four during this conversation, which is when I tend to get some renewal, but I'm very, Mm. you know, quiet and shy and cozy and tender, but I'm feeling like a little bit all over the place and still feeling some ovulatory vibes. So I might have skipped a cycle or have delayed Mm. ovulation this past cycle And I even noticed as I was getting ready, I was like, well, why did you skip a cycle? Or, you know, why is your ovulation delayed? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) What did you do wrong? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which, you know, the benefit there is to adjust if there's stress, if there's some sort of environmental factor that's, you know, affecting our cycle. We want to know that, but we never want to compare ourselves or judge ourselves or use it as ammo for the inner critic to measure our worth because our worth is inherent.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. I've done that too of like, well, my period was heavier this month, which means I fucked up somewhere. <laughs> like I'm a bad person, I guess. It's like, no, it's just information. We don't have to go down that route. <laughs> But it's good to laugh at it too.
0: Oh my God. We got to laugh at that inner critic. She is crazy.
1: Like what the hell is she on? (laughs) You have some great inner critic meditations too on your YouTube and then on Insight Timer too, right?
0: I, yes, I'm on Insight Timer. I've got some meditations there. I'm not sure if there's inner critic specifically. There probably
1: is though. I think yeah. so I send it to most clients. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that's, so sweet. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so if you've ever worked with me, you you know Ellen by association. No. <laughs> <Hello. laughs> <laughs> How cute. Um. Oh, so there's still a couple things I want to touch on. I want to talk about your offering, your ebb and flow, and the like newer at this point, not as new, but newer like somatic stuff that you're doing. But before that, I know that you made a really cool announcement in April, which is when we're recording and you came out. And I just want to say like, thank you and welcome and congratulations.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Sam. It's I've just felt so received with welcome arms to the queer community and supported and you know it's just been it's been amazing it's been everything i hoped it would be and like nothing that i was afraid of at least at least not really and not much so i'm really grateful but yeah so i am bisexual that's sort of the word that kind of resonates most for me but i really like queer too some days um or both and but yeah I'm married to a man who I love so much named John. We've been together for 11 years and I mean, he is amazing, like such a wonderful partner. And I mean, he's known, you know, as long as I have, (laughs) but, um, I wasn't out in terms of publicly, like on social media, I didn't talk about queerness, because I was really afraid of like taking, you know, stealing the mic from quote unquote more worthy queer people, like people who struggle, you know, whereas I have been like so um, privileged because I pass as a straight woman and I really felt a lot of shame around that privilege. And I realized finally, like the only way to kind of start to, deconstruct that privilege um, was to come out and was to be more open and honest and to risk, you know, losing whatever I thought I was going to lose. And yeah, I just feel, I feel free, which is my number one value. And I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm in my authenticity and no queerness. That's just who I am. That's like who I've always been, but I just wasn't living it fully. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really exciting and beautiful.
1: Oh, I'm so happy for you. And, and so proud of you that you had that courage to come out on social media to people, to like strangers on the internet, as well as friends. That's so beautiful.
0: Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. And I know, you know what it's like to yeah. sort of grapple with that. Like, you know, I'm passing as a straight woman and you know what does this look like and what does this mean for my relationship and for my my life
1: right and like how is it still valid is that like still an okay part of my identity to accept Uh, and it is and I I think like I know in your post you said like is this too little too late or something like that because you're already married to a man Um, but I feel like it's so beautiful because you are giving people who are like me in a straight relationship, but aren't straight themselves, like that anchor and that like example that your sexuality is more than just who you're with. And it's a part of you and a beautiful part of you too. Not a part that you need to hide.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of women that, you know, pass that straight, actually DM me and say, I feel the same. I feel so similarly, but I haven't come out yet for the same reasons, but you know, this post really inspired me. So, I mean, everyone's got to do what's right for their journey and they're so excited for me to come out and I just like, I got to go now. I don't want to live another year. I just turned 32. I don't want to live another year um, being less than
1: my true self. I'm done. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm so happy for you. Oh, and you just mentioned your yoga teacher training. So I know that you just became a certified yoga teacher. How is it? (laughs) I
0: don't know. How does that feel? Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's really exciting. I actually have my last training weekend this coming weekend and I'll do like my teacher, um, my train, my actual class, like my graduation, my, um, my test. Yeah. So I'm nervous, but yeah, it's been such a beautiful journey. It's been very intense. It was, you know, 200 hour teacher training, but it's from the, the foundational um, framework that my cousin Jessica Leisha created, which is um, an embodied fascia care framework that she has received from Universe and has been you know creating into this um, educational format that now we get to receive. And so, in addition to being a yoga teacher, I really consider myself a healer and I can put my hands on people and feel their energy and support their Kundalini. And it's a practice. I'm not like instantly, I'm not going to go around, you know, curing anybody or anything like that, but it's to help people support their own self-care practice and their own nervous system regulation. And, um, I mean, talk about empowering that's, Wow. That's the greatest honor of my life to help people be, um, in their bodies to feel safety in their nervous systems and to know that they have their own control panel for regulating Mm. difficult emotions. Um, that's the ultimate power that we have as humans. And it's time for us to awaken to that and to stop shirking our responsibility and to stop giving our power away because the world needs us to be in our soul power. So I'm really excited. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen once I graduate. I think I'll start teaching a little bit here and there. Definitely. I've incorporated it into my session or which is both in-person and virtual. So that's been really beautiful. But I got to say, like anytime I put my hands on someone's feet, um, the feet especially or the heart, um, Mm. they just start crying. You know, these poor humans that have never felt inside their bodies, that have never touched their own bodies in like a loving, compassionate way. The shifts are almost instantaneous and they are huge. So it's I'm just really excited. And then I will also share that. I had an in-person coaching client recently and she's just struggling with so much inner critic and, you know, all the usual stuff we all deal with, but she was saying she's taken so many different meds and she's tried so many different forms of therapy and, and all of this and that. And I asked her to just put her hand on her heart and she looked me dead in the face and said, are you crazy? She would not do it. Like she wasn't ready. In that first session to do it because it's so vulnerable. So I really yeah. want people to just sat, you know, that resistance to putting our hand on our heart and really being with that. That's a meditation in itself. Um, wow that's everything.
1: I love it. And so that's actually a perfect segue into one of my last questions is, can you tell us a little bit more about how to work with you? You said that you're in-person and online, so maybe you can share about that too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I work, um, both in-person and online. I have a home studio office and a couple of the offerings that I'm doing right now in person are my self-care sessions and my coaching sessions. So self-care sessions um, involve that hands-on rework right now, as well as sort of like working with your yoga practice in a way that supports your goals, whatever they are. And there's some light coaching in there as well. Um, but because it's self-care sessions, I bring in a bit of my priestessing work as well. So we learn about temple tending and how to create like the ultimate self-care escape for yourself in your home, how to create the ultimate self-care practice. And those sessions are hella cheap. I will just brag on myself for that because it's a new offering. So it's just $50 and they're just one-off offering. I mean, that's like right now, I don't know how long I'll be able to do that. But those are so fun. So that could be in-person or virtual actually. And then for the coaching, those are available as three session packages. And yeah, that's, I mean, you know what that is <laughs> that's like, yeah. faith holding and bringing in so many different tools from across all different lineages and experiences. I um, need to go in those sessions And then I have a couple of programs I'm really excited about that are both offered virtually and that's become your own soulmate and Ebb and Flow. Um, Ebb and Flow is a recent offering that is a really beautiful menstrual cycle awareness one-on-one program that I've developed. So it's helping people really pass of what is my day-to-day cycle look like? What am I needing? What am I craving? you know, how can I support my business in the different phases of my cycle? How can I support my nutrition, you know, my body, my relationships, like we get into it and it's so beautiful and I'm so excited. And then become your own soulmate is sort of my OG program that, really helps support that initial awakening into self-compassion and just giving yourself permission to love yourself at that highest level possible, to discover the higher self, to discover the purpose. And I will say everyone that goes through that program has some major life shift, whether it's being a pregnancy or a life partner or a job transition or a business being born or a relocation. So, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart, but it is really powerful what we can do when we tap into our own wisdom and our own sovereignty. And that's what I love supporting women in doing. So those are kind of my, those are the things
1: that I'm offering right now. And I have to say from working with you, I don't think there's like, I mean, I'm sure there are other people who are great, (laughs) Um, not dissing on a whole group of people in the world, but I think you're the most compassionate, heart-centered, knowledgeable, like you have so much knowledge, but you also don't force it either. Like you're very authentic. Like, I just think you're the real deal. And I think your services are so important and so needed. And you have so many free videos. So if you want to get a little taste of what it would be like working with Ellen, I'm sure you're going to watch those videos and be like, I need more. (laughs) This isn't enough. So I I highly recommend Ellen. (laughs)
0: Thank you so much, Sam. I really, uh, yeah, I just love serving people.
1: You know, it just feels good. So
0: (laughs) come hang out, DM me. We'll find
1: something. Oh, I love it. Um, so the last thing that I have people do is send our listeners home with a self-care resource or a book or guided meditation that you would recommend people do in the next week.
0: Yeah. So mine is more of a practice than um, a resource. So I guess I would challenge the listeners to really listen into the body, Um, maybe hit pause after this, after this month, after this podcast and reflect on what would feel good and allow your self-care for the week, for the day to grow from there because I see so many women in particular um, planning their self-care around some sort of moral hierarchy or some sort of comparative um, yeah. Instagram trend or TikTok trend and that is not embodied um, That is not from the inside out. So it's really important to just take a moment and think about what would feel good. And if you don't know what you want, then start what feels good and start with exploring. Um, And that goes for everything in our lives. I hear so many women say, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. And I'm like, how could you know what you want? You've Mm -hmm. never hung out in your body and you've never paid attention to what feels good and you've never allowed yourself to be in pleasure for like long periods of time uh, without guilt and without shame so we have to start there and I guess it's just a giant permission slip that your self-care can just be self-pleasure whatever that whatever form that takes today this week for however long
1: I love it oh thank you Ellen and let us know how it goes if you do that challenge we'd love to hear from you and lastly speaking of letting us know what is your Instagram what's your website how can people get a hold of you
0: yeah absolutely Instagram is at Ellen S Gilbert and
1: uh, my website is ellengilbert.com so all the info is there Awesome. And all that stuff will be in the show notes as well, but super easy to remember, (laughs) EllenGilbert.com. (laughs) Gilbert.com. thank you, Ellen. This was such a treat.
0: Thank you so much, Sam. It has been a blast chatting with you. Such a juicy conversation. I loved it.